Hey everybody and welcome back to the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. And I'm Dale. And today we have what I what take a guess. It's another fucking secret layers drop. Super drop. Super secret super secret layer drop. Woo! Again. No, but really, we have a ton of new shit coming up. Plus the next installment of the fucking Universe Beyond. Yep. Right, with uh, the Stranger Things secret lair. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure who was clamoring for this product, you know. Because Stranger Things is kind of on... It's not new right now. You know, they put out the second season in 2020. Yeah. So, it's not like it's fresh on the mind. Yeah, I know a lot of people who really enjoy Stranger Things. I didn't really know if many people that I play magic with that were like really oh big my about gosh, it. Stranger Things, do you ever see that show? You know, like, yeah. I've, I've not heard one person talk about Stranger Things. The only person I've heard of was Josh. And uh, he sent me some screenshots of it and was just basically like, oh, I'm super pumped because I really like Stranger Things. And I had no idea this was coming out. Yeah. But well, <clears throat> once again, eight. Functionally unique cards, as if this wasn't such a great idea last time. Um, <clears throat> yeah, all uh, all of them legendary. Uh, we got Chief Jim Hopper for a two, a red and white. You get a human soldier. Weird typing there. Uh, I wouldn't consider Jim Hopper a soldier. Yeah, really. that is kind of um, weird. Because I'm not sure if it's stated in the show if he was in the military or something like that. Maybe that would make sense, but I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know the show well enough. Like I've seen it and I've talked about it, but I don't know the. It, you know, I couldn't recall like what each episode was about. I know the general overview of what happened. It wasn't like my favorite show. It was pretty good though. You get a four-four with menace. Whenever he, whenever Jim Hopper attacks. Investigate once for each non-token attacking creature. And then he has the uh, new partner mechanic, which is called Friends Forever. Uh, it says you can have two commanders if they both have Friends Forever. Uh, kind of non... I, I'm not a huge fan. Like, no. Sure, it gives you like something to dump your mana into to draw cards. Which is good for red and white, but the way you have to get it is for non-token attacking creatures. Like, if I were to get my hands on this, I definitely would put it in Winota. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, even that deck doesn't necessarily need it. It's a decent human you could hit off of her trigger. And I guess it does give you a decent uh, effect with the non-token attacking creatures, because then it kind of gives a little incentive for all your, like, chumpy to go wide. humans yeah, to just, just swing wide, anyway. Because yeah. normally in that deck, I just only swing with my tokens. Yeah, to generate the Winota triggers. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's pretty solid. Seems all right. Yep. Uh, we got the Azorius. We have uh, two, a white, and a blue. Dustin, Gadget <coughs> Genius. Uh, also a, a human, and that's pretty much the same thing for most of these. Uh, it's a legendary human. 2-3. Tap, add two colorless. Spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Friends forever. Um, 
Yeah, so you get a conditional soul ring for four. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, not really what I would... I don't think I would run it, perhaps. I think, you know, there you can make a case for generating infinite mana. Yeah. Uh, but it's only to activate abilities of artifacts or cast artifact spells, so it's kind of pretty linear, pretty limited for what you'd be trying to do. Um, yeah, not really. He has the Friends Forever mechanic. All Most of them have the Friends Forever mechanic. I think all but one of the, the new cards. Um, now we have a, one of the more interesting ones. Eleven, the Mage. So for one and Grixis, so one, a blue, a black, and a red, you get a Human Wizard... 3-5, your maximum hand size is 11. Whenever 11 the mage attacks, you draw a card and you lose one life. Then, if you have 11 or more cards in your hand, you may cast an instant or sorcery from your hand without paying its mana cost, and it has friends forever. Um, that's neat. Uh, it's pretty decent card advantage for Grixis. Uh, it's the Phyrexian Arena style draw for one card for one life. And then you get the conditional 11 cards in your hand bullshit, which it's not hard to get a ton of cards in your hand on your main phase one uh, before you attack. Yeah. So, you know, you main phase one, draw a bunch of cards or, or merchant scroll or something to put something you want to cast in your hand. You're probably going to cast something like Enter the Infinite or some horse shit. Yeah. You know, win the game spell. Or if you're, you know, not a piece of shit like me, <laughs> you'll play like fun spells, but, you know, who does that? Um, and it has friends forever. I, I think I, I think we'll probably see this a lot. Not like over the top a lot because I don't think that this secret layer is going to be like huge around here but i think the people who do buy it will probably just shell out 11 and uh one or the other one of the other ones to make a five color well i mean it's uh there's only one so yeah. it's 11 and mike yep so mike the dungeon master is a 2-2 human for one a green and a white he has Pay two and tap. Choose target creature card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. Return it to the battlefield tapped. Now, that is a pretty large engine that you can do. Uh, whenever, you know, you can have loops, your da infinite damage loops for death. Yeah. If you bring back an untapper and then you sack it to Phyrexian, or not Phyrexian, right now, Ashnod's Altar. Yep. So it will untap Will, you sack it to Ashnod's Altar, Will brings it back, you can do yep. that loop pretty easily. Then you got Meat Hook Massacre in play and you win the game, or, yep. you know, or any... Blood Artist, or fucking yeah. Zolaport Cutthroat, or one of the 50 fucking effects that does that same thing. Yep. Uh, yeah, so... But Eleven and Mike are the... The two from this secret layer, they give you the five-color partner, essentially. Yeah. Which was something they had avoided doing. All of the partners are either single or dual color, so you can only ever have four. Eleven is the first tri-color partner. Um, we'll see how that goes. 
Like, I really am glad, though, that they made it uh, friends forever. And it's not partner. Yes, partner. exactly. I, I really do like that You, if you want to partner it with something, it has to be from the secret lair. Yeah. You can't, you know. I, uh, I might, I'll probably not buy the secret lair. I'll probably try and pick up the mic in the 11. Just yeah. to do a five color weird stuff. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> next, uh, Max the Daredevil. One and a gruel, so a red and a green, for a 3 2 human with haste. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, untap target creature, then investigate. Has friends forever. Uh, functionally interesting. I probably like this one the best out of all of them. Really? Yeah, just because like it's more my play style, and I think it rewards uh, the instant speed pump spells and stuff that combat tricks type stuff. You declare your attackers, and you know, then in attack, cast yeah. like a instant speed pump or something like that, and then untap whatever it is. So it kind of gives that like pseudo vigilance type effect to a okay. big fatty you're attacking with or something, you know. I don't know. I, yeah, I guess I understand that. Or um, even, you know, a creature that you might be able to... It has an activated ability of tapping it and doing something. You swing it, then cast an instant spell to buff it up stronger and untap it. And then after combat damage dealt, tap it, blow something else up or something. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's got some potential of... It just, I mean, it just looks it. like it would be fun, you know. The artwork, in my opinion, is so stupid, though. And I was, like, pro-am skateboarder back in the day. <laughs> and I really love skateboarding. But I just am like, oh, God, this artwork just, to me, is, like, horrible. You wow. know? Because I just am, like, really into magic being, like, high fantasy and high fantasy oh, type yeah, stuff. I guess like, with this uh, like having like, an actual... <laughs> this dude's, like, skateboarding in it, and I'm just like, am I playing magic anymore, or or what? Yeah, I mean, that was a big thing in, like, her thing for the show, was that, like, her uh, older sister, or her older brother was, like, a piece of shit, and she was, like, the, the rebel. Right. So she, like, skateboarded and shit. Um, I mean that's cool. Yeah, but yeah, the high the high fantasy's really uh, gone there. <laughs> whenever you're uh, looking at a skateboard outside an arcade, I mean, I, <laughs> you can make an argument for almost every other card that it's pretty, you know, pretty non-jarring as far as keeping you in a high fantasy. Whereas, like, I mean, just, I don't know, dude. Eleven the mage looks more like a mage. Mike is sitting there in front of like the Hydra D and D setup. The other dude's like tinkering with like a little setup that you could like think of of like he's like mixing elixirs and potions. Uh, the other dude's like investigating this weird pumpkin patch. Like, I mean, like I feel like the other ones seem more like. Oh no, I agree with you. I that's what I'm saying. More fantasy, like, but this one's know. just weird. <laughs> I don't know, but. Uh. Uh, next is Lucas, the sharpshooter. For a blue and a red, you get a 1-3 human that tap, sacrifice an artifact. Lucas, the sharpshooter, deals one damage to target creature. Goad that creature. Uh, friends forever. I think that's funny as fuck. 
this thing being able to like force specific creatures to attack for only the cost of a tap and a sack like i think that's cheeky yeah that, and it's only two mana it, that was a toss-up between the effects on uh max of daredevil and this card of what when i actually like the mechanics of the card best i really like that too any goading type mechanics i really you enjoy, do love goad so. Like, I think that's pretty sweet, especially if you have, you know, some untappy shenanigan type stuff, which, I mean, it's in blue, so there's plenty of that twiddle-style stuff, like, just to be able to ping, 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 but instead of pinging things, you're you're also goading them. Yeah. I like that. You know, the, the amount of, like, cyclical artifacts that you can get out of, you know, like, Scrap Trawler and stuff like that, that allow you to assemble these loops where you're just making everybody else attack everybody else. Yeah. You know. I like it. Yep. And the artworks is on point for what the card does. You know, he's sitting there holding a slingshot, you know, like yeah. sharp shooters out. You know, so. Uh, now we get to my favorite card of the set, of course, the mono black. This um, one's good. Mind Flayer, the shadow. So for four and three black, you get a legendary enchantment creature, Horror. 9-9. Nine, nine. Mind Flayer the Shadow isn't a creature unless you control three or more permanents you don't own. At the beginning of your end step, exile the bottom card of each opponent's library face down. For as long as those cards remain exiled, you may look at them and you may cast permanent spells from among them. And you may spend mana as though it were any uh, mana of any color to cast these spells. I love those effects, dude. I love just randomly taking shit like Atali, I love that effect. Mind's dilation or whatever it is. Yeah. Is that what it is? I'm not sure. Mind's dilation. It's I'm like a seven ways. it's like a seven drop blue enchantment. So okay. whenever someone casts their second spell or something or first spell each turn, you rip the top card of their library and keep it in exile, you can cast it. Okay. I love those effects. I love them. The fact that this is on a seven drop fucking dude. Bruh. Yeah, that's I, rough. I like it though. I I think it's pretty dope. I mean, a nine nine that also like kind of has its own protection with you know not being a creature, so it's gonna get around board wipes if you're if you aren't already dominating the game. Yeah, like I like it. I I think it's like probably the strongest card. I do like the fact that you don't have to untap with it to do the thing. Yeah. Like, you get that effect, not on your upkeep, but at the end step. So it's like, you can cast this guy and get at least something if somebody has, like, sorcery speed removal. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are going to gack this thing on site. I just don't want to deal with it. It makes it cost two more. Fuck you. It's nine mana now. Yeah. That's already a huge investment. You've spent an entire turn trying to play this dude. And somebody sorts to plot, or not sorts to plot, just like naturalize. Nature's claim. Yeah. Someone gacks it for one mana at instant speed, and you're just like, fuck. But yeah. It kind of reminds me of that uh, Commander Shaw plays. The uh, mono black dude that's like, I think it's like the Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that as like super high cost as a commander. But if it gets out and it stays around, the problems are going to pile up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like, and then, uh, so we got the last one, which is Will the Wise. 
it is a Orzov, a white and a black. One, two. When Will the Wise enters or leaves the battlefield, each opponent may investigate. That's a may. Each opponent who doesn't loses one life. You investigate X times where X is one plus the number of opponents who investigated this way. Friends forever. So, not a lot of abuse because it's like a, it is a may. It's tied to a may. Yeah. So you couldn't like food chain this together, you know, to create an infinite loop of damage. Yeah. Um, the thing that I like is that it's a really easy way to make fucking glue tokens. If you have a way to like flicker. Yeah. I mean, he's in the best color for flickering, white. Yep. Um, which gives you some draw power. But I hate that Investigate makes a token that it's too cost to use. Yeah, I've always hated that too. Like, I understand that they tried to give it a balanced cost and let it be used by every color. But, like, the cards that needed it are, like, white cards and red cards. And... Yeah. And two mana is a lot of investment in those colors. It's... I mean, it's a... It's a shitty... You know... It's a shitty draw spell. Where you're just only getting one card. Now, they're created, so it's not like you're investing a lot of resources, essentially, to make these tokens. And, you know, you want to have something that... You want to have backup things that are like, whenever you sack a clue, do this. Whenever you do this, do this, you know. And, uh, like, uh, like Lawness, you know, Lawness, Cryptozoologist. Yeah. It's, you know, easy to make a shit clue, clue tokens, but you get to do something with them. You get to look through somebody's deck and take something. Yeah. You know. This has no bite. It's just an engine that can be abused. Yeah. You know, because even if you wait, find a way to infinitely flicker Will the Wise, use, you'll either, everyone will get the investigations and you'll get a shitload of them, or you'll just flicker it until you have enough that you need and you can, you know, generate, hopefully, infinite mana or something. Like, I feel like you have to pair this with something else, like ma something that has, like, red, so that you can get access to, like, sacrificing artifacts to, like, deal Do damage. Do something, or, yeah. Like, have like a way to actually benefit by winning with but i mean i just personally have never liked investigate ever like in all the decks i've ever built i just always have stayed away from it because i'm just like eh, it just never does enough yeah the slot is typically taken up by an overcosted card because it staples another two drop cantrip to it yeah you know now there are some decent cards that do it like uh Dauntless, or what the fuck? It's a Cathar card. It's like one mana. It's like one white enters the battlefield and investigate. Mm. It's like a 1-1 one, one, or a 1-2 or some shit. Okay. And getting something like that is better overall than having to pay like for a large effect that gives you investigate and then having to pay on top of that for the investigate. Yeah. But like things that passively generate clues are okay. Like uh, what's that fucking... The 
the land drop guy. The green one, yeah. uh, tireless tracker. Tireless tracker, yep. See, personally, I have never ran that ever once in any deck, and everyone has always said, oh, well, you run tireless tracker in there? And I'm like, nope, because I have to pay two mana to sacrifice the freaking uh, clue or whatever uh, to get a benefit <laughs> from it. I like, when, now when they came out with the new one that costs one more mana to play, but you, whenever land drop hits, you just get the effect. Instead of having to, like, what you either get... Uh, no, the, the Provisioner gives you a treasure. Yeah, exactly. So that, to me, I'm like, okay, that's I'll run that. That's far superior. Because I can either get a treasure token or, I think it's a clue, or a treasure. You get to pick. So obviously, no, I think it's food. A food, yeah. It's a food or a treasure. Yeah, tireless provision. Like, that is hands down better, in my opinion, than tireless tracker. Oh, generating mana is always like, really good. Like, um, the tireless tracker ones, like, like when you sacrifice, you put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature itself. Yeah. So it does get bigger, but I still think that the newer version of it is just hands down Infinitely better. better, yeah. For yeah. four drop, it creates on landfall treasure tokens. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, other than the clue token that is specific to this secret lair, that's all of them from this secret lair. Which I think the clue token artwork is actually pretty cool for a clue. You know, the artwork is basically like a uh, alphabet on a it's the, wall. It's the, that's from the show. Okay, I've that's, never yeah, seen the show. Yeah. So. so Will gets trapped in the what's called the Upside Down, which is like the parallel universe. And he can communicate but only via, like, electrical things. Okay. So they put these Christmas lights over these letters, and any time they talk to him, he can activate the lights in a specific order and send a message. Okay, yeah, kind of like a Ouija board style. Yeah, but he thing. can only do it, you know, there's, like, this thing, the whatever the fuck, the Mind flare mm -hmm. thing is, like, trying to kill him. But, um... Yeah, that's that secret there. The second or whatever fuck it is into the universes beyond. I don't know what Fourier it is. We had Walking Dead, and this is it, right? This is two. Uh, Walking Dead, Dungeons and Dragons, but that was that, kind of that's already a property. Own, that's yeah. an IP of Wizards, so I don't yeah. count that one. Okay, yeah. Then yeah, this is yeah the second one, I guess, into their uh, universes outside of Magic. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Next secret lair, I'm going to spend zero time on this. Uh, secret lair, Mirrored Insanity. If you're familiar with Mirrored in Lands, they are one of each color lands that was designated as an artifact, comes in untapped, and taps for one, like one taps for each color. You have Vault of Whispers, Seed of the Synod, Ancient Den, Great Furnace, and Tree of Tales. Um, the, it's, the art is all pixeled. Like, I think it's like pixel art of these different lands and they look pretty cool yeah um, i like the look of them i would never pay for them i would i wouldn't either but i really do like the look of them and uh vault of whispers the artwork on that is fucking cherry i really love the artwork on that like i was huge into terraria which is basically minecraft but 2d and uh it just reminds me of one of the uh types of building material you can create in terraria which is just like this like rotting dripping bloody fleshy material to build with gross and the vault of whispers i think it just looks just like something i would have or have built on terraria 
Nice. So I just really like that artwork. It looks looks fucking awesome. But I still would never pay for it. Right. <laughs> pay for a secret layer like that. So. Yeah. Uh, next one in the super drop is Monster Anatomy 101. Uh, so they basically, um, like, they picked f- uh, five creatures to do a kind of cutaway style anatomy drawing of each one of these animals. Um, the style is cool. I think they could have picked better creatures. Yeah, I mean, I like two of the five. Ilharg? I, well, you're an Ilharg simp. I mean, I, I love, love Ilharg. That's like one of my... Uh, I Every time I see a copy of this somewhere, whether it's for sale or for trade, I get it. Like, I have binder pages filled with Ilharg, and... Uh, I'm kind of disappointed, though, to see a reprint of it in a secret layer. But at the same time, I do love the art style of these. So, Yeah, so there is an Ilharg card in the in the secret layer. Uh, if you're familiar with Ilharg, he's a 3 and 2 red, 6-6 six, six with trample. Whenever he attacks, you get to sneak attack something onto the board. So you, when he attacks, you get to put a creature from your hand tapped and attacking, and you return it beginning of the next end step when he dies or is put into exile you put him on the library third from the top so there's Ilharg. we have goblin trash master uh, two and two red for a three three that says other goblins you control get plus one plus one sacrifice a goblin destroy target artifact uh, he's he has a pack with a um, bunch of shit on it and it shows like him having like metal shoulder joints and stuff like that uh yeah i don't give a shit about this card um fleet swallower so for five and two blue you get a uh, six six fish it says whenever it attacks target mayor target player mills half their library rounded up um i just they could have picked better creatures for this dude Oh, I agree. It's like earlier we were talking before the show. I think that a lot of the secret layer issues that I have is just like... Card selection. Just like make the fucking secret layer cards legendary creatures. Or legendary something. Like don't just put run-of-the-mill cards that people use. Pick something that's good. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think this selection for this one is garbage. Yeah. To be honest. No, I agree. I agree. Um, and that's like, I like one of them, which is the next one, Protein Hulk. Five and two green for a 6-6. Six, six. If you've played EDH and you're in the competitive scene, you know what fucking Protein Hulk does. When Protein Hulk dies, search your library for any number of creatures with total mana value six or less. Put them out of the battlefield, then shuffle. Uh, I think the art's pretty cool for this card. Um, it's like... It's gestating like a merfolk on his back in this like pool of nasty shit eggs. Yeah. I think that's cool. Uh, but like, I, I also like the original. I also like the original Protein Hulk as well because it has a great flavor text. So it's Borborygmus and he says, Meat and eggs. Today we eat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is great. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I noticed yeah, it's sure meat and eggs, yep. and Borborygmus says it. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I like all the artworks for these oh, cards. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. like the, the selection creature selection is yeah. stupid as fuck. Like, for Fleet Swallower, even, I'm like, they could have picked a different big, huge fish or shark creature to and use the exact same artwork and been way better. Like, yeah, just have it not be Fleet Swallower. Yeah. Dude, like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. About Fleet Swallow. About that, like, 14 cent rare card from fucking Menace of Ixalan. casual tables. <laughs> like, <laughs> comes out and no one's running removal, so it just takes over. Like, I can, I guess I can understand where they're coming from because they have been printing a shit ton of, like, mill style decks lately and, like, mill effects, but, like, I don't know. It's stupid. Yeah. But. Uh, last but not least, we have Gishath Sun's Avatar. Uh, the second legendary creature of this secret lair. So for five, a red, a green, and a white, you get a dinosaur avatar, seven, six, vigilance, trample, and haste. Whenever Gitshap, Sun's avatar deals combat damage to a player, reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put any number of dinosaur creature cards from among them out of the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library to any order. Oh, I ran more, sorry. Um, I ran this as a general for a long time. Um, right after all my shit was stolen. This was like the only thing I had cards to build. So I built this, and it was fun. Uh, didn't need a reprint. Same thing with all of these cards. Yeah. Didn't need reprints. Um, I, I think, like, ah, just like, why? You know what would have been a fucking really cool reprint for this? That's, um, I think it's the same cost? Godsire. Yeah, dude, yeah. What? Yeah. Godsire, I think, is an 8-drop 8-8 eight, eight that you can tap to make a Godsire creature token that's an 8-8. Eight, eight. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. Same same CMC, same, same Naya colors, everything. That card needs a fucking reprint. And it's, like, a badass card, too. Like, yeah. Naya token decks like it. Big, fat... You know, beastie, like, Mile the Anima decks like it. Whatever that fucking... Atlapalani. Yeah. Likes it. You know, like, just just a big beast. And, like, to be honest with you, <coughs> alright, so, like, the name of the secret layer is Monster Anatomy. Uh, well, fish aren't monsters. I don't really consider goblins monsters either, and I certainly don't consider dinosaurs monsters either. So... I don't consider boars monsters either. Like, Protein Hulk, yeah. Because that's a fucking weird, beastie-ass thing. So, like, I think that Godsire also being a big, huge fucking beast that's completely mythical and, you know, fantasy-based is a way better monster. Like, I don't know. Like, Fleet Swallower could be replaced with some type of fucking undersea fucking giant creature and the goblin for red could be replaced with plenty of other red beastie fucking monsters. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do a goblin, do Dockside. Yeah. That, that been, needs a reprint, too. It needs a reprint. It's still a goblin. You could you could show his, like, shitty goblinness yeah. on, a, on an interesting card with, like, an interesting framing and art. But, like... Or even, I don't know, I don't, fuck, like, Mizzix? Yeah. That would have been cool to see, like, cutaways of the chair and, like, 
cutaways of Mizix and like all the things that she's had done, all the, the mechanical arms and yeah, all that cool shit. Just black. Yeah. Oh, I don't like the secret layer. I'll probably pick up an Ilharg, but only because I like Ilharg too. Yeah. Like I don't have pages and pages of Ilharg, but I do have that foil one, and it is it is pretty cherry. It's done. It's done well for me. Yeah. Next secret lair, Monster Movie Marathon. Now, the whole premise of this is that they're all very reminiscent of horror movie posters. Uh, the only one that I like at all is Dismember, uh, because it has Yawgmoth on it. Like, that's literally just Yawgmoth, and he's just got a bone saw. Uh, pretty pretty interesting. So the the way that the cards are set up, it is hard to tell that these are magic cards. Yeah. The converted mana cost is in a fucking weird spot. There's no templating similarities other than or no, it, it changes and it's like two and two, where the mana costs are in the same spot. Yeah. So. There's Blasphemous Act, Beast Within, Grafdigger's Cage, and Dismember. Blasphemous Act and Grafdigger's Cage have their mana cost in the top right, and the other two have their mana cost on the top left, which has never been a thing, really. Yeah. And I, the way that it explains the card, unless you are extremely invested in magic, you are not going to know what the, how the fuck to read this thing. Yeah. Like, if I would play this uh, this blasphemous act in, uh, against somebody who's new to magic, yeah. they'd be like, can I read that? And I'd be like, good you, fucking you luck. You try. <laughs> like, Wait, this is a magic card? Like, I swear, buddy, it is a magic card. You know, I purchased it from Wizards. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the arts are cool. Like I said, the only one I really want is the Yawgmoth that dismembers fucking Cherry. Like, I mean, I fucking love the artworks. Like, oh, hands yeah, yeah, yeah. down. I mean, like, I'm a huge uh, Dario Argento fan. If you're into, like, 70s, like, B-movie horror type shit, uh, Suspiria would probably be one of his most famous works. But, I mean, I feel like Blasphemous Act and Graf Digger's Cage both, to me, look like movie posters for his movies, and I fucking love it. But as a magic player trying to play the game oh god these are just just terrible to try if, to have to play with people if they come out with prints of like huge poster sized prints of these cards I'll buy those yeah hell yeah I would buy the dismember and probably the blasphemous act and the graph digger's cage I mean you'll probably only be able to buy all four of them you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I don't care about the real beast within, but yep, those they're sick. They have cool art. Hell yeah! I just dude. like I don't care that I would have to sit and explain how to read this to somebody who doesn't. Or if you if we're playing magic, we're sitting across from each other and we play magic, and you say I blasphemous act, I don't have to ask you what that is. I immediately start clearing my shit off the board. Yeah. I'm not like, what is that? Let me read it. Let me see it. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But if somebody who is not as invested, who would is not who doesn't have the card knowledge, you're playing one of these cards, and especially, like, Blasphemous Act is easy to explain and put it away. 
Yeah. But if you're like, Graph Digger's Cage, that stays on the battlefield. Somebody's yeah. going to forget there's a fucking Graph Digger's Cage. Because why? It doesn't look like Graph Digger's Cage. Yeah. It looks like some weird-ass, you know, movie poster. Yeah. You know, somebody's going to make a misplay where they're like, yeah, I reanimate this. You're like, I can't. Graph Digger's Cage. And I'm going to be honest. I would forget that it's Graph Digger's <laughs> Cage. Yeah. I've forgotten it, that I've had a Graph Digger's Cage on board when I have played it, and it's the regular <laughs> Graph Digger's Cage. You yeah. know, like, it gets lost under all the hate bears and creature stacks and, you know, just taxing things. And, like, I was like, oh, shit, you know, oh, there's a Graph Digger's Cage. You wouldn't have been able to do that three turns ago or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm just like, ah, I have to pay attention. I have to remember. But. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a hard toss-up because it's one of those things where it's like, if your play group has all been well invested in Magic, you guys have been playing for years and everything, totally fine probably not going to be an issue at all you know you know what the cards do but when you're playing in like a public forum like a shop or something like that and you're playing with random players who just happen to be at the shop and stuff then it starts to become like an issue of can i see the card can you explain it and trying to read it and i just think it it's it's like one of those things where it's like playing at home with your close-knit group of friends totally cool playing at the shop gets annoying as fuck when somebody has to sit there you know already a lot of times people might that are new or whatever can i read it it? and then now instead of it being a 30 second let me read it it's now three to four minutes of trying to figure out i'm trying to decipher this card and obviously you help them you say like oh you know it says right here you know blasphemous act deals 13 damage to each creature sorcery speed you know like because sorcery is in a big text box with two exclamation points uh, this spell costs one less for each creature because the text is split up. The, half the text is at the top, the other half is at the bottom. Yeah. You know, uh, the beast within, it's pretty condensed. It just says, its controller creates a 3 3 beast token, or green beast creature token. And then at the bottom, it says, destroy target permanent. Yeah. That templating is weird to me. Yeah, and I think Beast Within is the easiest one to read, with maybe the exception of Dismember, because they've, like, the other two, they've legitimately just flipped the entire order of the card upside down to where the effect is up top, the name's on the bottom, and then it's, like, it's just weird. Right? Weird templating for it, and... I, well, say, uh, you're, say you explain Graph Digger's Cage, right? You're explaining to someone who's new, they say creature cards in graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield. Well, one of the big taglines is at the bottom. Players can't cast spells from graveyards or libraries. Yeah, like it's why split, split that? up. <laughs> it's it's formatted differently, like different fonts. One's a different fucking color. Yeah, you know, if if you're trying to remember that in your mind as a new player, and you're like, okay, that player has that on the field, they might only remember half of it. Yeah, because like personally on the graph digger stage one, that bottom text, I'm like. That's the flavor text. Oh, wait, no, it's not. That's just the other half of That's the card the effect. That's the other half, yeah. Like, it's, just, it's really weird. You know, this. I can see this just being a menace to new players. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, for veterans and stuff who you know, you know what the cards are, want to spice up their deck and everything, cool, great. I don't really have a problem with the secret layer 
for you know people who have been playing the game forever and want to deck out and bling their decks out and make them look fucking awesome that's totally cool and personally me if anybody were to play any of these four cards i would have absolutely no problem knowing yeah, what's going correct. on but, neither would i but, but you know we get like kids in here who only have like one deck and they've only ever played for a couple months and they you know you and i if i name like 50 effects off the top of my head you could tell me what each card is yeah you know what i mean but that kid has to read everything yep. he has to look at it and he has to know and this is just like hey sorry bud take my word on it. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean, uh, even cool art, even people who've been playing for a long time, I come across people who are like, I need to read every card. You know? Well, like, I need to see the wording. Yeah. How's that worded? And then it's like, uh, well, half of it's worded up here. And the, the other, other half is on down the bottom. Here. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So that's, that's that secret layer. Cool art, weird templating. Um, just an interesting, you know, it's for more invested players, most definitely. Uh, the next is uh, read the fine print, which is that's funny. It is pretty funny. <laughs> the The story is that uh, if you're unfamiliar with the lore, Liliana um, signed a contract to receive the chain veil and her power from these four demons. Uh, no, she didn't receive the chain veil. She received her power, and then she used the chain veil to kill them. So, yeah, to, like, backstab them. Yeah, to backstab them. So Liliana's contract was that she made with four demons, uh, all of them legendary, and all of them in this set. Now, weirdly, there is no Liliana in the set, because I think this would have been a perfect time to reprint Liliana of the Veil. I know, right? That's the first thing I thought, too, with this. was like, why didn't they reprint Lily of the Veil in this? Lily of the Veil being, like, the most expensive Lily. It makes sense to be in the secret lair, because that's when she started backstabbing them, was when she got the Veil. Yep. And it's the... I think it. this was also... She killed Gristlebrand first, right? Gristlebrand, then Cothafed... Then Razaketh, then Belzenlock. I think Belzenlock died last. Because it was like, Gristlebrand was in Innistrad. Kothafed was in uh, Magic Origins. Um, Belzenlock was in Dominaria. And uh, Razaketh was in Hour like, of Devastation. Devastation yep. Yeah. Yep. So... I don't know if it was in chronological order with the sets. Or maybe she killed Kothafed first. That was the first one she killed. And then she went and released Crystalbrand and killed him. But either way. So she made a contract with these four demons. Belzenlock, Crystalbrand, Kothafed, and Razaketh. And they didn't print a fucking Liliana the Veil. Yeah. I just... I Like, why? Money. That's why. Say we don't pay attention to the secondary <laughs> yeah. market. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, whatever you got to tell yourself. I mean, of all the secret layers we've talked about so far, I mean, I at least think that these really look like magic cards. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I can look at this and be like, that's a magic card. Yeah. And the artworks all uh, have gold 
Uh, they it looks. I can't tell if they're all done by the uh, same artist. Yeah, I believe so. But uh, like, yeah, all the artwork is like very coherent. You can tell what's going on. They all kind of go together. Like it's one big theme, and the cards are completely legible and readable and look like a magic card. So, and I really like the gold. I think the gold just looks really cool on the backdrop of these, like, you know, the demons are all really high-costed black cards, and the the demons themselves are all, like, very dark, uh, like, themed, and then yeah. they're all trimmed with this gold that makes the, the cards look pretty cool. And then in the Liliana's Contract card, you see all four of their faces, like, surrounding Liliana in this really cool filigreed... Um, like border, that's pretty neat. This um, is honestly the first secret layer that I legitimately would be like, I'd buy this. Really? Yeah. Like I have a tribal demon deck sitting at home. I don't really ever play it anymore, but it's just sitting there the whole deck. And I would definitely slot everything that is illegal for me to put into the, that deck for commander into it. Is I Grizzle Brand? That's banned, right? Yeah. But everything else, I believe, is playable. I th- and I do love the fact that Gristlebrand, Kothafed, and Razaketh. Now, here, let me just go over them real quick. Razaketh the Foul-Blooded. For five and three black, you get a Flying Trample 8-8 that says, Pay two life, sack another creature, retur- search your library for a card, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. Pretty powerful. There's a whole CDH deck around it called Razakath's. It's a, it's a neat deck, and Razaketh is an extremely powerful tutoring engine if he manages to hit the board. Yeah. That's a big if. <laughs> because you can do it at instant speed. Yep. Uh, Kothafed is a 6-drop, six 6-6 six, six flyer that says, whenever a permanent owned by another player is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose one life. So, pretty standard effect for a demon losing life, drawing cards when stuff hits graveyards. That's pretty solid. Grizzlebrand, if you played Commander, you may have never even come across this card because it's fucking banned and it has been forever. Uh, it's a flat, It's a 8-drop, 4 and 4 black, 7-7 seven, seven flying lifelink that has pay 7 life, draw 7 cards. That is extremely powerful in this format. That's why it's banned. Yep. Uh, and then Demon Lord Belzenlock is a 6-drop, six 6-6 six, six flying trample. When Demon Lord Belzenlock enters the battlefield, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card. Then put that card in your hand. If the cards converted mana cost is 4 or greater, repeat this process, and Demon Lord Belzenlock deals 1 damage to you for each card put into your hand this way. Funnily, every card in this secret lair has a really rich flavor text. Except Demon Lord Belzenlock, because his fucking rules text takes up the whole goddamn card. <laughs> so it's like, Razaketh. From Razaketh, Liliana gained sway over the living. Weak mortal souls became her plaything. Uh, Gristlebrand. Power over death was Grizzlebrand's gift. Liliana's formidable necromancy was now unparalleled. Kothafed bestowed upon Liliana eternal youth, carved into her skin as in- intricate tattoos. Belzenlock, nothing. He gave her nothing because there's <laughs> nothing on the fucking card. You can't even you can't even fit a little line of, of flavor text on there. And then Liliana's contract says she sold her soul to four demons for powerful gifts. 
I have no idea what you got from Bells and Lock. I didn't read. There, there was like that weird time when they were doing away with the lore. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. so it was like hard to figure out what the fuck was going on. Yep. But uh, yeah, Bells and Lock. No idea what he gave her. It wasn't necromancy. It wasn't power over minds, and it wasn't eternal youth. So, wonder what she got. But, like, all of them have this, like, really nice, like, ties together all the flavor text. Except yeah. that guy. Yeah. He just does too much shit. Can't <laughs> even fit it on the card. But, yeah. The uh, the entire secret layer itself is pretty neat. And then uh, the next secret layer, Dale. Uh, yeah, so this uh, next secret layer is Midnight Hunt. And we've got, it looks like, ten cards from this one. And they are all lands. So we'll start right at the top with uh, Moorland Haunt, which is a land that can tap for a colorless or for a white and a blue tap. Exile a creature card from your graveyard. Create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. Uh, there was, there was one. Awesome. Yeah, there was one thing that these 10 cards each, it's a guild land. Essentially. Okay, yeah. So each one of them has a guild in its color cost. And if you don't know what that means, uh, the guilds of Ravnica are two color pairings that uh, are commonly referred to. And each one of these ten cards is a different two color pairing for a different effect. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, so the Moreland Haunt is going to be the Azorius guild. Um, uh, white the, and, yeah, white and a blue. White and a blue. Uh, the second one is going to be a uh, Vault of the Archangel, which is going to be the Azorius. Orzov. Oh shit, Orzov. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Orzov. So out, all of these are going to have tap for colorless. So I'm just going to not mention the tap for colorless. So the uh, second ability is going to be two and white black tap creatures you control gain death touch and life link until the end of turn. Which I think that uh, was a fucking it's a bomb powerhouse card. in standard, dude. Yeah. I remember this thing when it came out. It was bonkers. Yeah, I mean you're, you're gener in white black. You're generating tons of spirit tokens, tons of like small little one one tokens going wide strategies, and all of a sudden your dudes just have fucking death touch and life link. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. So that that's a solid card, and I even today I still see this card in commander like. Not mm -hmm. all the time, but I, I do see it enough. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the next one is going to be the Demir land. It's a Nefalia Drowned Yard. Uh, so for one blue-black tap, target player mills three cards. <laughs> uh, I mean, This was a menace. <laughs> Dude, this was a menace. An absolute menace. This was the number one used uh, card back in the day. Because there was a deck called Turbo Fog, and you were Sultai Colors. You ran the Jace that mills at zero mill ten. So you were just you were controlling. You had Fog Banks. You were playing Fog Banks yeah. as your creatures, and you just had a shitload of Fog effects, and you would use them to survive in Nefalia Drownyard at the end of their turn every yeah. time. So you'd be putting. You know, six, nine cards at the end in the graveyard, which in a 40 card deck or a 60 card deck is pretty yeah. substantial. You're shredding their deck. Yeah, you're, you know, if, if things went well, you would be like, I neg zero or I zero Jace, mill 10, and then mill six. 
the 16 cards from an already thinned library in one turn. In one turn. It's it's pretty funny. This deck was just boring as fuck to play against because it just ran a bunch of counter magic. You couldn't attack through it because of the fog banks, and they would just sit there and mill you all your cards. It was really annoying as fuck. Turbo fog, baby. Yeah. Yep. I mean, seems uh, pretty oppressive. Uh, The next one is Desolate Desolate Lighthouse. And it's, uh, is it? So it's going to be one, a blue and a red. Tap, draw a card, then discard a card. Eh, pretty meh, in my opinion. Three mana to draw, discard, yeah, get that loot effect. You can get a loot effect a lot cheaper, I guess, since it's a land. It's repeatable. It's something you do if you don't have anything else to do, you know? Yeah, I I think it can be a good early, early game land. Uh, I, like... One of one of my uh, friends that I used to play Magic with a um, long time ago, he used to call these kind of cards uh, Golly G cards. Because, <laughs> okay. like, I got all this mana, Golly G, what am I going to do with it? Yeah. Like, And he would just, like, run these cards that if there was nothing to do, he would do that. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, whatever. Makes sense. Uh, the next one is going to be the Rakdos. Uh, Stenzia Blood Hall. Is going to be three colorless, one black, one red. Tap. Stenzia Blood Hall deals two damage to target player or planeswalker. Personally, eh. Garbage, in my opinion. I'm not trying to ever pay five mana to, to deal, deal two, two points of damage. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess if you, if you literally have nothing to do, it's better <laughs> than nothing, but... You should probably reassess the deck building on, you know, if if you're needing to run this. So, in Commander anyway. Uh, the next one is going to be the Golgari. And it's uh, Grim Backwoods. So, for two, a black and a green tap, sacrifice a creature, draw a card. This, I think, in Commander is very playable. I've, oh, I've used this card a lot. Yeah. You know, when you're doing rock-style decks... If you're unfamiliar with that term, it's where you're just grinding out advantage very incrementally. Incrementally, yeah. Where you're just trying to throttle your opponent through sheer just removal, you know, and then you need to replace things in your hand, and usually you're generating either tokens or creatures that you want to die anyway, you know. Yeah, you like, throw them into this and draw a card. If it's, you're playing like any style of sacrifice deck, you know, Marin, for example, like yeah. for sure you want to run this just in the off chance you don't have your sack outlet. At least you have this to be able to dump the four mana, sack something, get a benefit on top of another benefit. Yeah. I think this is a good card for a commander. Uh, the next one's going to be uh, Kessig Wolf Run, which is going to be a Gruul land. Uh, so for X, red, green, tap, target creature gets plus X, plus O, and gains trample until end of turn. I think this is, uh, this, in my opinion, the best one. Yeah. By far. Uh, in Commander, 100%. Uh, followed secondly by, I think, the next one. But Kessig uh, Wolf, I've seen Kessig Wolf Run just blow people the fuck out. 100%. Oh, I know. I've played against you, and I've got blown out. <laughs> oh, I forgot. You, lo- you lost to an Arbor Elf. Yes. That I kept Kessig Wolf running because it was the only thing I had. 
and I beat you to death with it. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good game. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. But yes, an <laughs> Arbor Elf literally took me from like I think thirty-seven or thirty. No, you were gaining. Or, it was yeah, I, I was, but one actually started attacking me. I was at like thirty-seven, and you killed me with a fucking <laughs> Arbor Elf. While I was sitting there gaining life, just getting smacked by this fucking arbor elf because I had no creatures. Oh, that was awesome. That was a so, good, that was a good that was a good time. Yeah, Kessig Wolf Run. I mean, it's a pretty standard uh, staple card in any type of uh, gruel decks. I mean, any big fatty stuff. I mean, you're pumping shit huge with this, and you know, especially because a gruel has a lot of those things that you can. Use this to pump, and then they pump themselves. Like Xenagos, uh, the crashing fucking whatever. You know, the the big goat-looking thing. Fuck, what is that called? Oh, I can't think of it. You know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah. It's yeah. like each creature gets XX, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Oh, god damn it. It's the cheap crater hoof. Yeah, uh, whatever that is. Ibex? Oh, Pathbreaker Ibex. Yeah. Yep, that was it. Pathbreaker Ibex. Yeah, Pathbreaker Ibex. You can slam a shitload of mana into your Kessig Wolf run, buff something up really high, and then Pathbreaker just kills, makes sure you kill everything. Uh, you know, and like I said, I've killed somebody with an Arbor Elf. Yeah. That was, you know, really well protected. <laughs> yes, Kessig Wolf run, solid card in EDH, and if you don't have one... You don't have to buy the Seer Lair to get one. There's millions of them available online for dirt cheap. Yeah. Uh, it's real good. This card. is just a cool one. It's just a cool, interesting, you know, take on one. Uh, so, moving on. The uh, next one is uh, the Boros land. It's Slayer Stronghold. So, for a red and a white tap, target creature gets plus two, plus O. Oh. And gains vigilance and haste until the end of turn. Now, the only reason I say that this is second to Kessig is because of the haste. Yeah. Being, like, if anybody plays a huge fatty deck, especially with, you know, Naya colors, you know most of your shit does not have haste. Yeah. Like, there are ways you can give it haste, absolutely. But this is one that's less touchable because it's a land. Yep. And it's two mana to give whatever it is haste and plus two. And the Vigilance is kind of like just a little cherry on top there. It's like the, you know, there's one drop white cards that say target creature gains Vigilance. And then there's one drop red cards that say something gets haste and plus two plus oh. Yeah. They just literally stapled them together and that's this effect. And... For something that is going to impact the game, like in Boros, like I've I've had huge swinging turns where I've been able to cast one of the Titans, uh, Sun Titan or Inferno Titan, yeah, and swing with it that turn. So you gain a shitload of that value, and they're just huge. You know, most of the Titans are six sixes. I think they're all six sixes, right? Yeah, yeah. So then you have an 8-6 Vigilance Haste that gets an effect when it enters and an effect when it attacks. Like, if you're doing that with an Inferno Titan, that's 6 extra damage that you can burn all of the attackers that you would be that would be blocking you anyway. Yeah. You know, anything that has a power or a toughness that could kill, 
Inferno Titan now is dead. And Sun Titan getting to return two things that turn, pretty solid. Yeah. You know, even the off-color Titans, Grave Titan, Primeval Titan's banned as fuck, obviously. Um, but that, I mean, this is a key component. Like, Slayer Stronghold is so strong, it's a it's a key component of the the Azusa, the, like, the Landfall deck, the Primetime deck. Yeah. Uh, where you're slamming down a Prime Titan on turn two or three, and you're Slayer Strongholding it so that you can get more lands that turn. That's a four-land swing. It's yeah. huge. Uh, so that's why I say it's second. Kessig gives Trample, which I think is the most underrated like ability in Commander. Bro, do you know how many times I've been playing up against some sh- fucking Pillow Fort decks that just sp- put a bunch of shit spam out there and I cannot get through literally just because no Trample. Yeah. Right? And... This is a, such a political card because Kessig gives trample to anything. Yeah. It's not something not you yours. control. Yeah. yeah. If somebody's like, I'm going to throw, you know, this in front of, because the, the Tarrasque doesn't have fucking trample. You right. know, it's like, I block the Tarrasque with this 1-1. One, one. Like, I give the Tarrasque trample for two mana. Yeah. You know? It's repeatable. It's just, I... I think Kessig overall is undisputably the best. I mean, and then Slayer Stronghold is a strong second. The the whole trample thing and like being able to give it to other people, it actually makes me think of a card that I run in one of my decks called Duelist's Heritage. Oh yeah, yeah. Doesn't give trample, but it says whenever a creature attacks, you may choose to give that attacking creature double strike. And it's one of those effects where it's it doesn't have to be your creature. It yeah. can be anything. It's like so each it combat, right? Very, yeah, each combat. So it becomes very political when when you can just literally look at somebody and say, hey, don't attack me. I'll give your shit double strike. Now, if somebody's got something out there that's like 6-6, you know, six, six, they're going to definitely be like, okay, I'm definitely going to attack somebody else if you're going to give my shit double strike. Same thing with the Kessig. Like, hey... I can give your guy a fucking plus four, plus four, or plus four, plus plus O buff if you don't attack me. And it's going to have trample and get through. It's definitely, Kessig is super good. Slayer Stronghold, though, out of all of these cards, I'm a Naya player in general. Like, I play a lot of Naya decks or a lot of Boros and a lot of Gruul decks. And I probably play Slayer Stronghold in more decks than any of the other cards in the Secret Layer. And it is. It's a fucking powerhouse, man. Like, I can't even begin to explain how many games I have been able to just clutch win off of the fact of being able to pay two. And to haste. give a haste. Yeah. Like, and, and that's the thing. It's, 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 you're always looking at, like, yeah, I have to cast this creature. And if it doesn't have haste, it has to live. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have to spend all these resources trying to get it to live to the next turn. But if you just have the big creature and you give it haste, you can at least get some instant value out of it rather than having to wait. Yeah, and there's a lot of times, too, since it's a land, people forget about it. It's yeah. sitting down there 100%. in your land board, and next thing you know, it's late game, like way late game. And you're like, okay, I play this fucking six or seven drop, but I got 14 mana. 
and they're not expecting it to have haste, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to give this fucking giant angel haste that now it's going to do double damage to you on top of that, and, yeah. you know, then it's boom. pretty good. You just swing the whole game and, you know. And I think the next, the next card is incrementally better than Slayer's Stronghold for the decks that people run it in. Yeah. But I, it's a solid third. Yeah, so uh, the next one is Gavany Township, which is going to be the Selesnia land, which is two colorless, a green, and a white tap. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. That's huge. Very strong. Like, green and white, you're either tapping out all on your turn, or if you don't have the spells to cast, you're not really looking to spend a huge amount of mana on other people's turns. Green and white, not the best at interacting with other people's board at instant speed. Now, this is minus, like, the um, the can... Not cantrip. The one-drop white removals. Yeah. And, like, the disenchants and stuff like that. Yeah. Which are really conditional anyway because you want to be hitting very important things. So, this is one of those, you know, golly gee willikers. I've got four mana. It's the end of the dude before me's turn. I'm going to tap four, tap this, just buff all my dudes. Yep. For, for essentially free, you give up no tempo to do that. Because yeah. if you need to cast the other spell, you can. Yeah. But if you're just not doing yeah. anything, why not uh, make everything one power stronger? I mean, I played a decent amount of Selesny, too. Like I said, as a Naya player, I frequently have those colors. And I'm sitting there with a heroic intervention in my hand, a sword, a plowshare, or something like that. So I'm holding up my mana to see what's going to happen, and then it gets to the guy before me, and it's like, okay, nobody did anything? All right, well, I got four mana. Dump it in this, buff my entire squad. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in the decks that would run this, right, you're running Celestia, you're going to be running tokens or big dudes or swarm-style tactics where you're going to be playing a bunch of one-drops, two-drops, if you're playing, like, white soldier swarm, like white weenies. Yeah. Or you're going to be playing, like, the the big, fatty green drops. But for that mid-game, yep. where you are either running the, the low-cost shit or the high-cost shit, you can pump your whole board with this for, you know, marginally not a lot of mana whenever you're, you know, when you don't have shit to do. You burn through your, your cards really fast in green-white because you're either ramping and being able to cast multiple spells per turn because they're low drops... Or you're holding your big fatties because you either have one out already or you don't have enough mana. But what do you do have enough mana for? Just buff everything by one. Yeah. This one, one. Uh, Gavany Township was a, a card that I played a lot in my uh, Gearid deck that I had. That just yeah. shits out tons of like four fours, three threes, like tons of just tokens. And then just on the end step, yep, sink four mana into it and... You know, next thing you know, if somebody doesn't have a board wipe by two turns, like, all of a sudden, like, all my 3-3s three and 4-4s four are now 6-6s, six and, you know, and, and most of them are, like, trample beasts, so... Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely, that's a, another great card, and I definitely would put it in that order, Kessig, Slayers, and Gavany, as the power level and in a I, row. I really think... Unfortunately, I really think that this the last one really got outmoded 100%. Yeah. With, uh, 
what what's that uh the colorless one from War of the Spark that allows you to uh, emergent uh, zone. Emergent zone. Yep. Yeah, emergent zone. I think completely blew this next card out of water. Yeah. Like, so uh, the next card is Alchemist Refuge, which is a Simic card. So it's one green, one blue tap. You may cast spells this turn as though they had flash. Now, I I think emergent zone is just is way better, even though you have to sacrifice it. Well, think about it like this. So, Alchemist Refuge, the in order to hold up the mana to both use Alchemist Refuge and cast pertinent spells that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yeah. Right? Your counter spells are going to eat mana if that is the game you're playing. And if you're trying to cast it at flash speed, you're trying to hold your mana to do these things on the other player's turns during priority, right? Yeah. So... When you're trying to do that, you're really looking at trying to grind value out of other people's turns while not getting a lot of value out of your own turn. Yeah. You know, because you can't spend a ton of mana on your turn if you want to use this effectively. Unless you, obviously, unless you have something like Wilderness Reclamation or Seedborn Muse. Like, this plus Seedborn Muse, I would take this every day. Yeah. You know? But, like, being able to stick a Seedborn Muse, a 5-drop 2-2 that gets blasted on sight every time I see it. Yeah. You know, to be able to really leverage the amount of uh, advantage you would get from a card like this. Whereas Emergent Zone is my, I have a sorcery speed removal for their win con, and I'm going to do that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to stop myself from losing the game at instant speed because I have Emergent Zone. Rather than I'm going to try and grind out a really like long value train on other people's turns because you have to set the engine up beforehand or you're losing so much value on your own turn because you're not doing anything. Yeah. And the fact that it's also color restrictive yep. and like that <clears throat> makes a huge difference of having to pay a green and a blue versus just paying two colorless. Yeah. It's... Yep. It's a... It's a big hurdle that makes it just... Like, I have used Emergent Zone and won with Kiki Combo on somebody else's turn dealing damage. You know what I mean? Like, with a Goblin Bombardment? Yeah. And it's like, uh, I can't run this in a mono-red deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. So I, I, really think, I really think Emergent Zone gets the, gets the pass, even though it sacrifices itself, because it's there for that oh-shit button. Whereas this is more of a, do I have the mana and the value to cast something out of my hand on somebody else's turn? Yeah, then I'll do it. It's more, it's better for the long term. But I think in the no, in the spot of the card that's going to give my shit flash, I'm going to run Emergent Zone every time over this. Yeah, I agree 100. Uh, so I guess overall, I. I think this secret layer is pretty cool, especially if you're running like five color decks and you're running like all these guild, or I guess they're not guild gates, but I, I don't know. I guess the artworks are just cool. So if you yeah. are, you know, if you have decks that use all of these lands individually, then this secret layer would probably be something pretty awesome to pick up. Uh, 
because all the artworks are really great. I do love the art on this. They have the whole Midnight Hunt, like, black and white style land theme to them. Uh, but, I mean, at the same time, it's also one of those secret layers where, like, you don't have to have it. You don't yeah. need to have this. You can pick nope. up any one of these cards for dirt cheap. It's definitely one of the, uh, like... You're just pimping your Consumer pimp, pimp style secret yeah. layers. Um, but the uh, the last the last secret layer we have here is uh, going to be thrilling tales of the undead, and uh, I actually like this secret layer much better than the Argento secret layer uh, from earlier that says like you know oh, horror the, movie yeah. posters because this is also very like seventies eighty style horror movie. Uh, poster picturesque artwork but these at least have completely legible 100% looks like a magic card text box <laughs> yeah. and the value is there mm-hmm. grave crawler alone is like a 17 to 20 dollar card yeah I so mean... <laughs> like grave crawler and rise the dark realms is at least a 15 dollar card yeah if not more and Lily Death's Majesty is like a ten dollar card, so yeah. So I, I think the value is even there for this. Um, plus, I I do like the aesthetic, just like you, you know the the cool poster uh, looking stuff. Um, like, I'm actually, can like like for Gravecrawler, for example, this card's awesome. Guess what? The artwork is very like uh, for Gravecrawler. Anyway, it's like a uh, Frankenstein style card. It's got this just rotting corpse wearing a dress with the full moon behind it. But the mana cost is still a swamp mana symbol in the top right. And <laughs> the grave crawler logo, like the name of it, is in the top left where like a normal magic card's name would be. But underneath it, that it says, she'll get revenge or die trying which gives a little bit more flavor for the whole horror movie thing but then underneath it's of the artwork the regular text it box. has a regular text box yeah. which makes the card very legible so if somebody's new to the game and it's like oh grave crawler what's that you can easily just flip the card over hand to them they can immediately look right down at the bottom see the text box and understand what the card does yeah while still having cool awesome artwork and a little bit different formatting for like the name of the card so i think that is really awesome and uh these are uh extended border cards too like it just extends over the whole border of the card minus the text box and i think that's pretty pretty legit i like that style of uh extended borders yeah, and I, I did just uh, look it up. Um, the Gravecrawler is a $20 card. The Rise of the Dark Realms is a $10 card. Okay. So regular printings, non-foil, uh, light play, 20 bucks for the Gravecrawler, 10 bucks for the Rise of the Dark Realms, and 3 bucks for the Death's Majesty. Okay. And light play. But like 33 bucks of value for non-secret lair cards to be in a secret lair is pretty good. Yeah. Like, look at that. Look at the monster's, you know, uh, anatomy. That one. Yeah. 
Do you know how the combined cost of those five cards, like, total, is, like, fucking ten bucks? And that's because I think the Trash Master is a... The expensive a, one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, after Grave not, Prowl... No, it's, uh, it's a lie. It's not even ten bucks. Cause it might be the Ilharg. The Ilharg, yeah. yeah. That's... And that's still, like, five bucks. Yeah. The Trash Master is, like, a dollar. <laughs> so, like... You're like, yeah, let me just let me just throw $40 or $30 for the foil versions of these these five cards and it's just like pretty stupid. Yeah. Um so after Gravecrawler, you got Liliana Death's Majesty, which is three colorless and two black for a planeswalker that's a Liliana and enters the battlefield with five loyalty. For one, you can tick it up, create a 2-2 zombie creature token, and mill two cards. You can minus three it to return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a black zombie in addition to its other types and colors. Or minus seven it to destroy all non-zombie creatures. Eh, it's a it's an alright planeswalker. I have no qualms with uh, Lilian Best Majesty. I run it in a couple decks. Uh, I like the artwork. Uh, Liliana's carrying a corpse over her shoulder. Uh, the only thing I dislike about this one is the fact that they put the flavor text above the name. So, like, it says at the top left corner, it says, Death is no excuse for disobedience. And then underneath of that, it says Liliana's Death's Majesty. I think they could have flip-flopped that. And then it's even just more like, you know what the fuck the card is. I don't know. I just don't like the way that that templating is. But that's just me. That's my opinion. But card's great. Uh, the next one is Rise of the Dark Realms, as we mentioned, which mm -hmm. is seven colorless and two black. Uh, put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. And then the artwork is Liliana standing there. And in the background, you can see, like, a graveyard full of corpses being animated. And underneath of Rise of the Dark Realms says, Lock your doors. They're coming home. I, I mean, I like the artworks on all of them. I, I like the flavor of this set. It's much better than the, than the other one. Uh, but... Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so yeah, that's the uh, that's the secret layer super drop. That was all the info we got uh, based on that. And some of them are pretty cool. Some of them are complete misses. Um, I don't know if I'll buy the super drop, but I'll probably uh, pick up a couple of cards here and there from the super drops. Um, yeah, I, I I think the horror poster ones and. Uh, Probably the read the fine print. Mostly because I want that alternate Razakath. Because I've always yeah. wanted to build Razakats. Yeah. Other than that, I'm kind of like, meh. Um, like, stop printing mechanically unique cards in fucking secret layers, please. Yep. You fucked up the first time you did it, and uh, now you did it again. And well, um, no, it was it was like, oh, we keep things in development for how long? Blah blah blah. This was already going to be released by the time everybody was shit talking the first one. Yeah, you know. So, oh, we're gonna retool the list so it's gonna have these cards in it, non-foil. Like, bro. 
Oh, and uh, one thing I <coughs> have to mention, actually, is uh, the recent fuck-up with uh, the next Innistrad set that's coming out. Oh, I my ha- God. I'm yeah, glad I, I remembered about this because this is a huge fuck-up on Wizards' part. So, basically, if you haven't heard about this, it's uh, the the LGSs basically get allotted a certain amount of set boosters, draft boosters, etc., blah, blah, blah. So, anyway, all the orders get put in, like, way ahead of time by a local game store uh, to get their allotments in. So... Basically, what happened is your local game store probably put in an allotment for a certain amount of set boosters or whatever, and then now all of a sudden, uh, yeah, they can't get them anymore because there's been some type of fuck-up within Wizards distribution or manufacturing or whatever it is. They haven't really said. But what they have said is, hey, sorry, you can't get any of the uh, set boosters that you had put in for and got allotted for and have already pre-sold. You won't be getting those for pre-release. And you might not even be getting them for regular release either. It could be up to two weeks after the actual set release before you can get the set boosters. And... The biggest problem with that is the fact that Wizards has been pushing the set boosters much harder over, you know, the last six months, eight months, uh, over draft boosters. They've been wanting to push these set boosters so that, like, local game stores sell those more than draft boosters. And Which I don't, I don't hate, right? The the chances of getting something better in a set booster are much higher than draft boosters. Yeah. Draft boosters are meant to play the limited format game, so they came out with set boosters. Like, if you're buying packs to try and get cards, it's better to buy the set booster just overall. Yeah. Right? And then they're like, we're going to put all this money into pushing this product, and then we're going to shit on it real hard. Yeah. Like... Not to throw any 100% numbers out there, but what I'm hearing is, you know, oh, we were getting 25 set boosters or whatever, and we pre-sold 20 of them. Oh, well, now I can't get those. Now I have to refund everybody their money because nobody knows when we're actually going to get them. Is it going to be the actual release or two weeks after that? Or you know, how, how many people are going to come into the shop and be like, oh, yeah, I was going to get those uh, set boosters, but now I can't. I'm just, I just don't even want to fuck with it now. You know, it really fucks over the local game store by doing that like in and they they cited printing problems something happened right like something they tried to blame it on a printing error or a misjudgment or something like that and then they just they're only going to have this amount of set boosters they have to allocate them throughout the country this is what you get you know and they really really dicked over local game stores yeah. like even mostly the the small like mom and pop game stores because channel fireball isn't going to be missing you know a thousand set boosters that they would be selling on on their site yeah you know because they're they're going to get theirs 
in the same way that Troll and Toad is going to get theirs and Card Kingdom is going to get theirs and that kind of shit. Yeah. But your local mom and pop game store who ordered 24 is going to get six. Yeah. You know, so they pre-sold three times that amount. And now they're going to have to refund all those people or ask them if they want to take some money back and get a draft booster instead. Which, and now that everybody is more in tune to opening set boosters for cards yeah. rather than draft boosters, that doesn't sound like a good sell. You know, it just sounds like a bad sell. A really, really big fuck up. I think that's the caveat, too, is the uh, fact that Wizards literally sent the email saying, like, hey, sorry, you can't get all the set boosters that we said you were going to get and that you've already prepaid for thousands of thousands of dollars up front for months in advance we'll give you four draft boosters yeah like really really you fucked over the game store by 20 small game stores by like 20 set booster boxes and now you say we'll make it up to you we'll give you four draft booster boxes like no like that's just do you get the four draft boosters and then you get the set boosters you ordered later who knows yeah no you know, one knows. You could just be out. You could be shit out of luck. Yeah, and and that's just one of those things where it's just like you know, wizards needs to get their shit together. Like, I mean, I already think that it's ridiculous that shops have to put in orders three to four months in advance before a set comes out. Like, they already want you to be like coming at them with your allotments for something, and then they wait until two to three weeks before the set's actually going to come out to then send the emails out to the local game store saying, hey, sorry, we're having an issue with this, blah, 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 blah. But we're going to make it all right. Here's four draft booster boxes. Come on, man. Like, and I hate to get down the conspiracy hole, but I get in <laughs> no, there. No, you don't. I, 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 <laughs> I do like to get in there. But I mean seriously, I, I honestly I think it's I think it's a hundred percent they're doing it on purpose. I think they want to destroy local game stores and just shit on them. And if not outright just destroy them, just make it such an inconvenience for people who are gonna go in there, pre order set boosters, pre order whatever products, and then oh no, fucking the last Yank three the sets in out. a row, I've pre ordered shit and it's got fucked up. I'm just done pre-ordering. I'm just going to go ahead and play Arena or I'm going to go on Amazon. You know, I think that's the ultimate goal is to just, you know, dick around the local game stores a bunch and then also have the little bureaucratic way out of it. Oh, it was some type of shipping issue, the pandemic or printing errors or this (laughs) or that. Well, at the same time, they know full well they're driving more and more people into Amazon purchases and arena play. And yeah. I and that's I just I me. Yeah, I don't know if I expressly agree with that, but you know, we'll see if it's a recurring thing. If this happens more than once, I might get on the, the wagon with you. I mean, I just feel like wagon. dude, Wizards has been just dicking over game stores, like look back. For the last two years, man, I, I seriously feel like there has been a lot of issues with local game stores getting the product that they ordered or delays or whatever. And all those little delays, those are 
little incremental things that make people go, I'm tired of fucking driving the 20 miles into town and going and pre-ordering my stuff. Fuck it, I'll just order on Amazon. Like, I already live 20 miles away from the local game shop. I can just play Arena. Or I'll just order it off Amazon. Instead of driving out there, pre-ordering, paying my money, and then a week before the set comes out, having that local game store contact me and say, hey, man, I'm really sorry. Wizards had some type of shit. I got to refund your money. Like, it only takes, like, once or twice of that happening to where people are going to be like, eh, fuck that game store. Yeah. I don't want to deal with that. I agree on that. Like, it doesn't take a lot to push people away, especially when their money is involved. Yeah. When you're dicking around with their money and the thing that they like to do for a hobby, and you're just... You know, not purposely, but you're being led around by the nose by wizards. You know, what is? I don't know. Well, I gotta give it a little more time before <laughs> I subscribe. But, but yeah, that was a huge fuck up, and I, I totally forgot about that. I'm glad you mentioned. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of a you know, it's a it's a little long episode today, but uh, yeah, there's a super drop of secret layers that I have to pick apart and. And critique and fucking yell at and <laughs> do all that shit. So, uh, yeah, we got a solid, what, hour and a half going on? Yeah, mm-hmm. all right. I love how Fred told me, too, before I came in this episode, Zach. You know, with all this shit going on with Wizards of the Coast, what do you guys actually even have to talk about anymore? Like, that's positive. Fair. And I was just like, uh, I, I don't want to be a downer, right. but it's just like, man, it's pretty easy. <laughs> it's yeah. like the easiest thing to <laughs> yeah. do, you know? Like, and I'm just still clanging to the hope of next year, man, with the Brothers War and oh, like dude, all the good sets coming out Hammer. next year. I'm just like, I'm Universe really clinging to next year is going to be the year that really rekindles the fire of Magic the Gathering in in, your, in, in my you. being. So yeah. like, We'll see. This Time will tell. This year's been a shit show, but next year... Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Yeah. I agree. But, uh, well, that's all we got for you today. We wanted to go over that super drop and uh, some stuff that's been going on you know, within Wizards lately. And uh, thanks again uh, for listening. And uh, as always, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. And I'm the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. I'm Dale. And have a good evening. <laughs>